Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeyemi again. We are going through the book of First Corinthians, and we are now in chapter fourteen. In chapter thirteen, Apostle Paul talk about love. He said, "This is the greatest of all the three." In the last verse, he said, of, that, of chapter thirteen, verse thirteen, he said, "And now abide faith, hope, and love be these three, but the greatest of these is love, or what was reported as charity in the King James version." Now, in continuation of this chapter 13, it's chapter 14. It's more like continuation because this letter is not really broken down in form of chapters. It was given to us as chapters and verses for reference sake. Now, let's go to chapter 14. Follow after charity or follow after love. So, you see, he was now talking to the Corinthians that when he saw what was going on among them, every division that was going on, looked like maybe something is missing. Love is missing. By the time this brother is talking against this brother and these people are saying I'm for this and for that, something is missing. So mm -hmm. so that's why he was not saying love is the greatest thing. If it's missing, we are in trouble. So that's why he said verse chapter 14, beginning of this chapter 14 says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. Because he also mentioned spiritual gifts in chapter 12, which is the gift of the Holy Ghost that can make people to begin to say I'm better than you because I'm prophecy. I'm a prophet or I am prophesying. Or just say, oh, I have the word of this. And that could also become people begin to be having what is called vainglory. So he said, you can decide this spiritual gift, but love is the greatest thing. That's why he mentioned chapter 13, that if you have all these gifts and signs and wonders and you don't have love, you are nothing. So now, let's continue chapter 14. Follow after love and desire, desire this spiritual gift. Nothing wrong with desiring spiritual gifts, but let it be that ye may prophesy, for he that prophesied in, in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, albeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Now he's trying to point to something here for us. When we have the gifts, we speak in tongues, everybody is able to be speaking in tongues as a prayer language. When you speak in tongues that you yourself, you yourself don't understand what you are saying, but the Holy Ghost through your spirit is speaking, praying through you. That is speaking to God. You don't need to say it in a congregation. You pray when you are praying, you do that. But if your congregation want to pray like that, that's fine. But it is for a prayer language for you talking to God. He said, when you speak in tongues, you are not edifying anybody that is listening. You are actually talking to God. But when you are prophesying in the language that everybody understood, that is meant to edify the people that are hearing and are listening. So that's really what he's trying to explain here. So, so that you which you decide to prophesy in the congregation now, decide to prophesy. Now if you interpret your tongue, if God gives you the interpretation of that tongue, then that becomes like a prophecy. That's what he's going to explain here. In verse 8 he says, either prophesy speaker unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Verse 4 says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. You are edifying yourself, all right? It's like you are charging up your battery. That's what the edifying yourself really means. Like if you have a battery in a car and the battery is weak, the car won't be able to start. But if you charge up that battery, the car will start and run and the lights are coming brighter. So that is what he said we are doing when we are speaking in unknown tongue to God. We are charging up our spirit, the battery of our spirit. He said, edifying himself. But he that prophesied, edified the church. So but when you are prophesying to the congregation, you are taking, telling, it should be for edification and for comfort 
telling about what great things God has done is going to do for us, that is prophesying. That is just coming from the Spirit, not the one that you just read and you are teaching. That's also called, suppose teaching is also like prophesying, but that's something you have already learned and you are studying and you are that's just exhortation for believers. But when you are prophesying, the Holy Spirit is taking through your mouth, you can prophesy through your mouth to the congregation to just build them up, make them to be strong and to, be, to have confidence in the Lord. That is prophesying. It's for exhortation and for comfort. Think of it, an example where in, in the days of King Jehoshaphat and the army came against them from the enemy and they were scared, they came to the temple of God and cried unto God and said, what, we don't know what to do, oh God, this army is bigger than us. And then a prophecy came among them. That is the type of prophecy for comfort. That said, this battle is not yours, said the Lord. Now, this man didn't just walk it out from his mind. It is the Holy Ghost speaking through his mouth. So that if it's not from the Holy Ghost, you are just praying. You can pray and say, Lord, we believe you are able to fight this battle for us. That is praying. You can pray loud, but when it's a prophecy, from the Holy Ghost, that's to arouse from the Holy Spirit in, in, the, in the prophet. That, that's, that, brother, that minister said, this battle is not yours, but God should stand still and see the survey of God. And the, the word he said, they should go out and face the enemy and they will see the glory of God. They don't even need to fight in this battle. That was coming from the Holy Ghost. That's his prophet sign. But it's make people to see, to be exalted, to be excited, to be, to be, to be confident in the Lord. And then it's like for comfort because they were afraid before that prophecy came. Now they were comforted that God is fighting for them, and that is why it's a prophecy is always for edification, exhortation, and comfort of the congregation and of those that are hearing it. So, people assume that prophecy is the prophesying of the future that you are going to become this, you are going to become that, that become like foretelling. That is not the main purpose of prophecy in the body of Christ. The main purpose is for edification, exhortation, and comfort, as the scripture has just mentioned there. In the verse that we just read out is for edification and for comfort. Verse 3 of 1st chapter 14. It that prophesies speaker unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. And it that speaker in the unknown tongue, he edify himself. But it that prophesies edify the church. Verse 5. I would that ye all speak with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues. Except he interpret that the church may receive a defined. So he said greater means it's more useful to us, is what he means. When you are speaking in tongues by yourself to the Lord, you are useful to yourself. You can even be praying in tongues to for other people somewhere. We don't know, but we won't be able to say amen unless we know who we are praying for. Also. But do it because it's very important to charge up yourself. Sometimes you are praying in tongues. Many testimonies have been given where people are praying in tongues for hours. They don't know what's going on, but the body to pray was in them. But they are praying in tongues for many missionaries somewhere in other parts of the world. And the miracle happened because the Holy Ghost was praying through their mouth. Because God needs somebody to pray to, for Him to move for something anywhere else. And sometimes Holy Ghost will rouse up a, a brother, a sister, a minister, or a layman that has the Holy Spirit in him. Holy Ghost will rouse you up to pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues for a situation that you may not know about, but if the body is upon you, just keep praying until the body is lifted. Keep praying in tongues until the body is lifted. This is not just the one that you normally just pray in tongues for yourself. But when it's a body, you feel that you something needs to pray, and you keep praying in tongues, praying in tongues for hours, sometimes it could be hours. Many testimonies show that a, a, a man didn't know what was going on. He just fell, he body to pray, and he fell upon his face in his room, and he prayed in tongues for hours, almost four hours. 
until the body lifted when he feel relief in his belly and begin to praise God. That same man had a missionary daughter that was way in another part of the world. And the man didn't know what was going on because in those days, according to the story, there was no telephone or tele, you know, tele or this uh, cell phone that you can talk and find what going on. But when this missionary daughter came back many months later and she exchanged timetables, say, when she, he was praying in his own house for a missionary that is across the ocean, that fellow was going through death of sickness that she was almost con assumed that she was dead of a, a plague or something like that in the jungle where they were doing the missionary work and they thought she was dead because they prayed for the other missionary members prayed for that woman and they thought she was there and just covered her up and mourning while his father her father was praying in another country for hours on the, on, on in, in tongues in the spirit you know what what was going on but he was praying in tongues praying in tongues until he prayed and suddenly this woman just woke up. She, she gave back testimony. When she came back, she gave testimony that she just woke up and was well. After so many hours, they have left her as dead. And the missionary people rejoiced with her. See, that was how Holy Ghost can use the praying in tongues to do miracles of signs and wonders. So that's what we are saying that don't give it up. Don't say, well, it does not edify anybody. Let me not do it. No, do it regularly. Especially for praying for other ministries, for other for the work of the Lord. So you have to remember that praying in tongues not only edify yourself, you can be praying mysteries, praying interceding for other people somewhere that the Holy Ghost will use you to pray. So I throw in that testimony so that you can know that it's very essential. Even that Paul said, if you pray, if you are praying in tongues, you are less than those who are prophesying. That is for the local church. If you are in, in the local church where there's a congregation, praying in tongues in the church does not give anybody anything unless you prophesy to the church but you can be praying in tongues for for interceding for somebody because sometimes when i want to pray for somebody even in the congregation even just like a, yesterday in in the place where we're praying and we're just blessing and blessing and blessing people with ministers and then the Holy Ghost started speaking in tongues to in my mouth and point my attention to a particular sister that was kneeling down somewhere there and the ghost just make me move over there i went there and i lay my up on that sister and just prayed over her lay my up on her on why she was kneeling down that was holy ghost moving through that prayer he does the reason for speaking in tongues that put more authority to the tongue more authority to the mouth because when you speak in tongues the authority of the spirit comes have, have you have seen that many times we are, i don't know what the holy ghost said but when I was in the place in many years ago, and I was praying, I preached in the in the streets, in the in the village, and people gathered, and I was praying for them as I was laying my hand and praying for every one of them. After I preached to them, I came to a woman that was leprous, standing in the crowd, and the first thing was the Holy Ghost spoke in tongues through my tongue. See, the Holy Ghost spoke in tongues, maybe a sentence, but that sentence is a, is, a, is a authority that I do not know what he said, but the Holy Ghost spoke in tongues, and that I know it was from the Holy Ghost. And it just blasted out, and the spirit that was causing that leprosy jumped out of the woman, and I saw it. I saw it because it jumped off of that woman. And the Lord opened my eyes to see that the Holy Ghost spoke in tongues, an authority that said, Get out of him! Which I wouldn't have said physically, not so. Because I didn't see this thing. But the Holy Ghost saw the spirit that was doing the devil, that the devil that was doing the, the trouble. And the woman was healed. I don't know if she was healed. The second week, the second Sunday, I passed by the woman that was full of leprosy was healed. And I have that testimony in some of my books. What, what I'm saying is that the Holy Ghost can speak in tongues through your mouth. 
when you are about to pray for something. And that is also part of the work of the Holy Spirit that he don't despise speaking in tongues. Even though that one is not for edifying a particular congregation, it is for blessing somebody. So let's go on in verse 5. Apostle Paul is saying, if you interpret your tongue, then you are just equivalent to prophesying to the congregation. That's what he means by five, except he interprets that the church may receive a value. But your praying in tongues is essential for redeeming the time, for praying for some unknown things that Holy Ghost knows, or for edifying yourself. Verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, he's still explaining this speaking in tongues, comparing with prophesying in the congregation. He's talking to the local church right now. To the local church, we are, we are just gathering to fellowship. We need prophesying. To build, to exhort us what to do, how to do, and to comfort us. That's what he's saying. But the speaking tongues, talk just to yourself and to the to the Lord, will not benefit them unless it's for prayer. Like I just mentioned, example like that, which blossomed out from the Holy Spirit. I didn't actually plan that. I was not just speaking tongues. If I speak in tongues, I will stop it and started praying in my own, in my real language, so that they heard every congregation will hear me what I'm praying for. But when it's authority in my tongue. He's trying to cast his devil out, which, which he will do when he has the reason for that, because he sometimes we open the eyes, sometimes he doesn't open the eyes. He just spoke and the demon is gone. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And even things without life giving sound whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harped? For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. So he's saying, the speaking in tongues that you do, if he's in the congregation in the local church, people don't know what was said, so they won't know what to do about that. It's just, just to them, it's, it's not really fine. He it says, it's just the same thing. When in the days of war, when they blow a trumpet, the trumpet must be clear what he's saying. Is he saying people to run to hide, or is he saying people should, should shout hallelujah or what? So that is why he's saying, if, that's why he's comparing with trumpets. If you give uncertain sound that nobody knows what that trumpet sound is to make us do, nobody will prepare himself for battle. If it's like, a, oh, they saw an enemy coming, everybody get your swords and weapons and ready to fight. See, that's why they have a particular sound of trumpet in the days of uh, old. They use sounding of trumpet. In our generation right now, like we read the story in, in Jerusalem, in Israel, they are always having trouble in, among the, them and the Palestinians. If they cited that there is a there's a rocket that has been shot towards them, then they sound an alarm. That's like a trumpet is talking about. Alarm for people to run to the bunkers. And people begin to hear that sound, they know what it means. Run to the bunker. They don't know where this uh, rocket is going to land. And when they get under the bunker, if it landed in their, in their street, it may blow the houses down, but people are safe because they are in the bunkers, hiding under the, under the houses. So that is what alarm sound and sound of a trumpet meant in the days of war. So that's really what he is using to what Apostle Paul is using to describe if you are speaking in tongues and they don't understand you, it won't benefit them. But the prophesy will benefit people in the congregation. So the speaking tongues have its own purpose. That's why I explained it in the earlier section. 
it's for praying for some intercity for other people you don't even know about or define yourself because you are talking to the Lord. Like I give examples. Now let's go on in verse 9. He said, Likewise, unless you utter the by tongue, words easy to be understood, you will be speaking to yourself or speaking to the ear. But Seth said, There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world. None of them is without signification. So many languages that we can speak in tongues, but the Holy Ghost can give you a language that is language of angels, or it could be a language that you don't know, but it's on this earth. Unless you come across somebody that was born in that language and understand that oh, you are speaking my language and you never learn it. So there are so many vo languages, that's why he's saying it. Kinds of voices in the world, there's none of them that is not significant. Verse 11 said, Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. In those days, barbarian in the days of apostles, they classified some group as barbarian. What do you mean by barbarian? Well, if you go back and look at the dictionary, they use the terminology barbarian for people that are speaking the language that they have never heard before. Because in the days of the apostles, they knew that they have heard about Greek. Greek was dominating the world, so the Greek was the language of the common of the of trading in some in some generation. Then came the Romans, and the Romans begin to introduce their own language. The Roman language in those days was Latin, and because they are now ruling many parts of the world, the Latin became like the prominent. So now they know that we have Roman language that is well known. We have Latin that was being used. You know, the Greek language was being well known. Of course, they have heard about the Syrian, uh, the Syriac language in those days. Now, of course, they have heard about the Hebrew language. Then they saw some other tribes on island, on the Mediterranean, and they have heard this language before. So they, they call them barbarians because you know they have heard this language before when they discovered these villagers. So they are classified as barbarian because somebody has to interpret this language and nobody could interpret it because none of them have ever met the, these visitors before. So they classify all those people that are speaking this language they have never heard before in that first world as barbarians. That's why they use the word barbarian. So now he is talking, I can't understand him. And I, nobody understands their language. They are talking to one another, but we don't understand their language. We have not heard this language before. Because people have heard Greek, because the Greek have been known in many parts of the world by that time. People have heard the Romans, they have heard the Hebrews, and they have heard the Syrian language. So any other new tribe that they suddenly discover and didn't know their language and they don't know our language, they call them barbarians. That could be so many languages, but they're still barbarians to those who know. know them. So that's what he was using there. That if he is speaking in a tongue that we, nobody could understand, it's like a barbarian to us, and we are like barbarian to him. Let's continue. That's what the word barbarian really is. Come where it comes from. Verse twelve of First Corinthians chapter fourteen is what we are still going through. So even so, ye for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts. Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. So even though we all zealous to have this spiritual gifts, let us pray for the one that will be edifying the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret that you will get these extra things by praying for it, asking the Lord for it. Pray that you may interpret an extra because the speaking in tongues is given to every believer in the book of Mark chapter 16. Logically, this sign shall follow them 
that believe. That's everybody. In my name, they shall cast out the devil. They shall speak with new tongues. So, which means he is giving the new tongues to every believer when the Holy Ghost is deposited in, in us. So then, we all can speak in tongues. Every one of us that have the Holy Ghost should be able to speak in tongues. Then he says that the extracts gift, like, can you interpret what I'm saying? It's a prayer for you that you'll be able to interpret or somebody will be able to interpret your language. That's why it's a prayer that you may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. So what is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. Also, I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. So you can actually sing in the spirit just like you are singing in the normal, because it's a language. Even though your spirit is one speaking that language, your brain does not understand it, but your spirit can say it in what you can also sing it. Just like we can say anything we are saying in our language, English, or we can also sing in English also. And that is coming from the brain because we already studied English, we already know English. And but the on this tongue also is a language that is coming from our spirit, which is in our belly. And that also can be sung. And they say if you if you are to be edified to understand, to be able to know that this song is praising the Lord like this way, it's better if you can interpret it. So I can I can sing in with my understanding, I can also sing in the spirit. Verse 6 says, Else, when thou shalt bless with the spirit, thou shall he that occupy the room of the unlearned say Amen. And I give of thanks, saying, he understandeth not what thou speakest. What thou says. For thou verily give thanks well, but the other is not edified. See, you, will, you will be giving thanks in tongues, but if nobody knows what you are saying, nobody will be able to say Amen to it. Verse 18 says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you. So Apostle Paul is trying to say, I'm not, I'm not belittling tongues. I'm not down, down, downplaying tongues, speaking in tongues. Because I also speak in tongues more than you and all of you. That's why he's saying, because he, he most of uses it to edify himself also. So I thank my God, I speak in tongues more than you. Yet in the church, as in the when we are gathered together, I had rather speak five words in my understanding, with my understanding, that by my voice I might teach others also. Down ten thousand words in an unknown tongue. So he's more like trying to correct the Corinthian church because he saw that they may be misusing their everybody speaking in tongues, everybody can speak in tongues, and the congregation is gathered and they are all just speaking in tongues. They are not edifying one another, they are not edifying anybody, they will just become like like noise. They, may, they can like they, some group may like to do that. Say, let's just shout on the Lord, speaking in tongues. All of us just raise up our hands and be speaking in tongues. And that will be edifying to God. Not so. But we do that temporarily for a few minutes and then go back to singing praise to God with our known language. Not so. But they are all good things that we can do. Not that we shouldn't do it. Not that we shouldn't do it. But it's more like trying to say, well, you are not edifying anybody when you are speaking in tongues. So if anybody is speaking in tongues in the congregation, it can be a collective thing. Let's use it to praise God. Everybody praise God. Lift your hand and do this. And everybody speak in tongues for a few minutes, five minutes, and just be shouting hallelujah to God. Those who are doing that are edifying God. And we may also edify ourselves by speaking in tongues as long as we are doing it, whether together or individually in your own house. So that is also, one of the things he was pointing out, he said, but in the church I would rather speak five words that with my words I will teach others. Verse 20, Brethren, be not children in understanding. Be not children. Albeit in malice be children, but in understanding be men. So he's trying to say, what I'm trying to explain here, take it like a man. Don't be like a children where you're going to say, oh, nobody should speak in tongues anymore. No. He's trying to clarify it in verse 21. In the Lord it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto these people. 
And yet for all that, will they not hear me say the Lord? Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So it's trying to distinguish between speaking in tongues and prophesying. So it's a sign to the world when they see people speaking. They say, they say God say, I will speak to them in a language they can't understand. And yes, that they won't say they won't take it as a sign that God is visiting the earth. And because that is what they speaking in tongues does when he when he started making the apostles speaking in another language people have not heard before. God is excuse me, God has visited the earth, is what he says. He said, but yet they still don't accept him. So therefore, wherefore tongues are for a sign not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying servant, not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Church. Verse 23. If therefore ye, the whole church be come together on, into one place and all speak with tongues, and there came in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy and they are coming one that believeth not, or one unlearned, is convinced of all, is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of his truth. So it's trying to say when you prophesy and you reveal the secret of somebody's heart, then they will know that God is speaking through you because he can say that. How did you know it? You prophesying. God must be in you to tell, to tell this thing. But he said, speaking in tongues will not show that. Verse 25, verse 26. And how is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, as a doctrine, as a tongue, as a revelation, as an interpretation, let all things be done unto a defying, slain a, a, an order in the body of Christ right here when the, for people when they are coming together in fellowship. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by cause, as if one speak and the, the and there is somebody interpret, and let one interpret it. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Because if he is speaking tongues, because the Holy Ghost move upon him to speak loud like that and he is speaking tongues, they should wait and see whether the interpretation is going to come from somebody else. If there is no interpretation, he should just stop speaking tongues. Either come from somebody else or from himself. If there is no interpretation, say, let him not continue to speak in tongues in the congregation. Speak to yourself in the, when you are at home in tongues. Verse 29. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that seated by, let the first hold his peace. It's also talking about in the con when you come in a local church, people want to prophesy. Somebody has a song, the other person has a testimony, the other person has a prophecy that he, he wanted to give, and the other person has a just speaking in tongues interpretation, they have to be in order so that it's just, it's just common, we know that right now, but it's laying it as a foundation for them so that there will be order in the congregation, not just jumbo, everybody's making noise and nobody can hear what the other person is saying. So he said, let it be only two prophets, one prophet and the other one is, when this one is prophesying, let the other keep his peace. When he finish the prophecy, everybody can hear the prophecy, they have here, then he can start doing some prophecy and everybody will hear him. And that's done in many churches anyway. And that is really what is laying down as a foundation here. And the same with speaking in tongues and interpreting. 
And he said, Somebody said, Well, it just came upon me. I can't hold it back. He said, The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. God does not force people to do anything. But see, when they are not on when they are controllable, then it must be a spirit of infirmity. Demons, religious demons can do that. They are unorderly. They don't follow order. And that is not expected to be in the house of God. They are cast those devils out. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So God does not force you to do something that I just go all it back. That's why I interrupt everybody and everybody have to listen to me. No, that's not of the Holy Spirit. That's what Apostle Paul is saying. Look at verse 32. That's why he said from verse 30, If anything be revealed to another, that seated by let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Remember that. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the same. We are going to stop here and continue this in the next broadcast. This is very important and very interesting to continue to discuss it. God bless you.